The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe Podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. We, being myself, John Boccasino, and the venerable Jamie D'Amico, are so thrilled, pleased, honored that you have taken the time, however and whenever you are listening, to check out our docid tones here on the Believe Podcast. Jamie, uh, great to have you back, buddy, as we are getting ready for Patriots Week. Um, have, uh, I got to ask you a question to start off the podcast. So besides, of course, how you're holding up these days, oh, I'm, I'm doing great, but I'm interested in the question you're leading with has, um, has your heart rate come down? Has your level <laughs> of palpitations over the bills, uh, come back to decent levels following that absurd, surreal, shocking game against the giants? You know, I didn't sleep well that night, and I'm not sure if it's because the game ran kind of late or because I, I was, you know, like you said, I had the heart rate running high. But, like, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was that I was wound up from watching the game or I was so disgusted I couldn't sleep. <laughs> but, no, <laughs> at this point, I put it behind me. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to I vent for about 45 seconds here or so and give our listeners... Uh, as as everyone by now knows, I have season tickets, and so my crew and I were uh, were at the game, and um, it was it was a weird feeling, Jamie. I'm going to start off with this for a Sunday night game. The energy, like at least in the t- the, the lot where we park at um, for our tailgate, we got to the lot. I don't know, maybe like five thirty, five forty five or so, and it was just it was weird. There wasn't energy. Like I didn't. And it was, and as we're, we're tailgating and then we, we pack up and we walk to the stadium and it's like a 10, 15 minute walk at most. It was eerie. There were no noises. There were no rowdy fans. Hmm. And it wasn't really until we got to the ancillary lots right next to the stadium. And this was probably by like seven fifteen. We wanted to get in early to not miss anything. And, you know, with security measures being what they are, it usually takes longer uh, than normal to to get in there. It was just weird. And I feel like that was a bad omen 
for the Bills because the energy was so flat outside the stadium and it matched the effort the Bills put forward before the national audience. That is a very interesting observation, one that I certainly wouldn't have been able to see from my vantage point here in Washington, D.C. However, very interestingly, I watched the games with the D.C. Bills backers. We had about 20 people there, and that crowd was flat. What's going on, man? I wonder if it was people assuming it was going to be a cakewalk. I mean, if you look at it on this, and now granted, you know, Al Pacino was right in any given Sunday. I mean, any team can technically, they have a chance as long as they're, you know, as long as they show up, they have a chance to to win the game. And I, I don't say, I'm not saying the Bills assumed they were going to win, but I think they underestimated the Terod Taylor revenge factor i guess i mean he played pretty well outside of that boneheaded audible uh towards the end of the at the very last play of the first half which can i tell you that was such a beautiful gift to give the bills because they if they even kick the field goal there i know you can't say one play directly leads to an impact down the road there's the butterfly effect but if nothing else had changed the Giants kick a walk-off field goal and win 15 to 14 instead of Buffalo holding on for the 14 to 9 victory. But the Bills were just flat. I mean, they flat out against an offensive line that was depleted, against a less than inspiring uh skill positions of running backs and, and wide receivers. Although Saquon Barkley, man, the Bills have a problem up the middle on their run defense because they, they sure were gashed. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is this is going to be a huge problem because teams were running the ball well on the Bills with Daquan Jones in the lineup. Holy cow. And that is going to that is going to lead straight into what we end up talking about today. Uh, but going back to last week's game, I love how frustrated Brian Dable gets on the sidelines. The way he was yelling at Tarod at the end of at the end of the half, like, what are you thinking? Why would you, <laughs> why would you audible to a run? We don't have the time to run the ball. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think there were like 13 seconds left on the clock. And, and again, look, I, I love, you know, this Jamie, I love Terod Taylor. Um, yeah. I, I not saying he's a fantastic quarterback, but he's a well above average quarterback. And he showed that on Sunday night. I mean, some of the throws he, he tortured Kyer Elam. You know, he yes. basically, like anytime it was one-on-one Elam and a receiver, Tarad looked his way and more often than not uh, had some success uh, passing the ball. And I, I root for Tarad. I mean, I think he's a great dude. I felt so horrible when the Chargers' own team doctor basically punctured his lung, you know, forcing him yeah. to sit out and Justin Herbert to come in. This guy has been kind of snake bit since leaving Buffalo. Well, he was even snake bit in Buffalo. I mean, do you remember that McDermott benched him in favor of Nathan Peterman? I mean, yeah. that happened, and he still was just a classy, classy guy in how he conducted himself. He went back into the lineup. He never said the wrong thing. The guy, he, he was a team-first player. He took pay cuts when he was with the Bills. He stayed in Buffalo during the off-seasons. Like he literally did everything you can ask of a guy. And I, I mean, it, it's sort of like the whole 
Ryan Fitzpatrick thing where it was time for him to go, but you couldn't say anything bad about the dude as a human. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, he was the consummate professional, like you mentioned, and the consummate teammate for a young Bills squad. And back then, the Bills were incredibly young. I mean, they had some, you know, Kyle Williams and and Jerry Hughes on defense, but on offense, it was a lot of younger players with LaShawn McCoy, and, and Terod was a great leader in training. And so it was bittersweet to watch him, you know, make that mental blunder at the end of the first half. And, um, I guess, Jamie, the, 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 this is all an awkward kind of transition into um, a state of the Bills right now as we go into week seven, because I think everyone had the same thought, whether you were watching this game on the TV from your comfort of your couch at home, or whether you were with us in the stadium where there was this kind of like stunned silence as I think it all started with Gabe Davis making that critical drop um, that stifled mm-hmm. out a drive. Um, the bills, you know, Jamie, here's my question for you, I guess. And it's a long winded way of saying it. The bills offense came out of the gate. Incredible. We threw weeks two through four averaging almost 40 points a game. But then in the last two weeks, the London fiasco and against the giants, they've averaged 17 points a game. Put on your football diagnosis hat. What is wrong with this bills offense right now? Why are they sputtering? I think there's some level of teams figuring them out. And one of the things that teams are figuring out is that when it comes to playing man coverage, the only guy who can get open is Stefan Diggs. Like that's, that's a big issue. The other thing is now I, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, but Josh Allen seems tentative over the past couple of weeks, in in my view. And I'm not sure exactly what that is. I'm wondering if he's being overcoached. Instead of just, you know, let it rip. Now, I, I, to a large degree, I want him to play more cautiously. But I want him to do that naturally and not think twice before he throws the ball, Like we, which is what we saw in the game against the Jets. Josh Allen has not been as good as he was previously. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering. Is he being overcoached? The other thing that I'm seeing as a major issue recently is the Bills are not performing well against five- and six-man pressures. And one of the big reasons for that is James Cook. That guy cannot block. He has absolutely abysmal technique when he's trying to pick up blitzers and opposing defenses are feasting on that. And that's why I think you're seeing a lot more Latavius Murray because he will square his shoulders and, you know, meet a person head on. Whereas you see these, I don't know, these sort of matador style blocks from, from cook where he turns sideways and he tries to throw one of his shoulders into the upper part of a person's chest. And that's, that's his block. Well, what does he do? Uh, he misses a lot of those. So I, I think that combination of things has created issues. Yeah, I think it's a valid point. Um, and I feel like this, I, I do want to preface all this by saying 
Yes, the Bills offense has been sputtering, but we're only two weeks removed from a perfect passer performance from Josh Allen in shredding the Miami Dolphins. But that's the peril of this league where it's really week to week. Um, yes. What have you done it's for me? very fluid. Absolutely. I mean, things can change up, you know, dramatically. I think that one of the things I want to uh, harp on when it comes to the offense struggling, and you're right. I mean, Latavius Murphy, Murray is a better blocker than James Cook. Damian Harris was a better blocker. Um, I hope he makes a speedy recovery from that really scary neck injury that brought out the ambulance on Sunday night football. But I feel like one of the things, and this is one of those, be careful what you wish for. Cause you just might get it. Bill's fans all off season were in this debate about Josh Allen. Should he run? How often should he run? How, how dangerous of a weapon is he when he runs? We all know he's one of the most dynamic threats in the national football league. When he puts on, being a fantastic passer and a dynamic scrambler. And he hasn't been scrambling. He hasn't been taking off and running nearly. He's way lower on career averages this year compared to his first uh, five years in the league. I think that has a lot to do with why the teams the Bills are facing are able to throw those five and six man fronts against Buffalo because they don't have to worry as much about Josh taking off and running. And by doing that, they're really able to clamp down, take away the passing lanes, and put their best cover corner on digs and, and hope for the best against the secondary weapons. I don't mind Josh Allen running. I mind Josh Allen taking hits. I mean, that that's what it comes down to for me. If he can slide, if he can run out of bounds, I'm cool with it. You know, it, But if he's going to be out there trying to run over linebackers, um, no. <laughs> Save him from oh, yeah. himself. Yeah. Listen, buddy, I'm not arguing at all that Josh should go back oh, to hurtling Anthony Barr or, but I, do, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about that take though? When it comes to, uh, you know, the bills defense, defenses can tee off a little bit more knowing that Josh isn't going to show a pension to run as much as he did in the past. Uh, there, there may be something to that. I mean, part of it is the Bills are getting more production out of the running game than they had in the past. Before, it was like either Josh Allen ran or nothing was going to happen on the ground. And I'm glad to see James Cook doing much better this season. He looks like a legitimate slashing-style runner. Um, but are you talking about more the type of things where play breaks down, Josh takes off, or designed runs? I think I'm talking both, but specifically the designed run because the, the the breaking the broken play i don't want to give any credit to one side or the other because a broken play means that both buffalo's receivers fail to get open and run the right routes and the defense there was a breakdown that provided a gap for josh to go taking off on so i guess it's more josh being a running threat naturally organically and again look you can look at the numbers and it's, it's one of those things where it's a double-edged sword. You know, the Bills offense, we say they're sputtering, and I said they're sputtering. But in the Giants game, that 17-play drive that they orchestrated for the first touchdown mm. was really a thing of beauty that I got to give a lot of credit to Ken Dorsey for modifying the game plan. You know, he he something happened at halftime where the team got together and were like, hey, we need to power run more you know we've got the mm -hmm. tackles 
and the guards and Mitch Morse are opening up holes. And you look at what James Cook did, 14 carries, 71 yards, more than five a pop. Latavius Murray was almost four yards a pop, 45 rushing yards. There's goal. You need, this is where I think Sean McDermott's frustration with the play calling of Ken Dorsey comes in because he's been citing and preaching balance forever. And we saw it manifest itself on those two touchdown drives. The Bills needed to run the ball that then opened up the passing game. It's what we've been saying all along. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. It balances important. McDermott got frustrated. You're going to see more running this week. I just hope that they are able to stay balanced because, you know, this game coming up against the Patriots, it's it's the same as it was last week. This is about the Bills. This is not about their opponent. This is about can the Bills fire on all cylinders or are they going to potentially hand away a win? Because with the amount of talent that this team has, there's no reason they should lose against a team that has one win on the season. But I guess for lack of a better term, can they get their heads out of their asses this week? Because yeah. <laughs> it's been up there for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, it really has. And uh, it's it's been unfortunate and been unsettling to watch. But I will say again, Buffalo's offense, when they needed to, scoring two touchdowns on, on their three second-half possessions. And remember that. The Bills had three total second-half possessions because they were moving the ball up and down the field in the second half, and they were taking time off the clock, time-consuming yeah. drives. 17 plays, 89 yards, almost 10 minutes on their first touchdown drive. 12 plays, 75 yards, 647, a great mix of runs and passes on the second drive. Maybe this whole offense sputtering thing is much ado about nothing because the first half, yes, it was awful. And the first four quarters against the Jaguars, well, the first three against the Jaguars, the fourth quarter, they got their act together. But the first three was terrible in London. So I get, I'm really curious, I guess, what we're going to see from the Bills on Sunday against the top 10 Patriots defense that is missing some key players, including Matthew Judon, who's going to be out for the game. That's a big injury, you know, mm-hmm. for the Patriots. They're also missing a, a linebacker, Josh Uche, uh, who is out for the game. So Uche is a great player. He, he's if you don't know the name, I mean, he's he's one of those really unheralded defensive stars that doesn't get the recognition and he's playing for a one in five Patriots team, but that's a huge loss for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if the Patriots are going to look at rebuilding if Uche is a player that gets moved because he has a lot of value. He's a pass rusher. You know, he's he's the kind of guy that you can get top draft picks for. He's got yeah, he's only got two sacks on the season, you know, so he's not tearing it up, but he's a good player. So I, I wonder how long he's going to be in a Patriots uniform. And let, let me just quick sidebar. We've got a couple of weeks until the trade deadline. Man, I'm interested to see how this shakes out. A discussion Jamie, I, for a different day. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because spoiler alert for our listening audience out there. After we do this week, we're going to break down, obviously, the matchups heading into the Patriots game. Next week is a short week. The Bills play the Bucks on a Thursday night. 
we are not going to do a normal believe preview pod because the game's on a Thursday, not on a Sunday. That's a perfect segue. Next Sunday, Jamie and I will do a trade deadline special where we will talk. We'll recap the game against the Buccaneers, but we're going to go through the needs and wants of this Bills team. And we want your feedback on this heading into it like any episode. Where do you want to see Brandon Bean go after? What positions, especially defensive tackle right now, is looking like a Mm -hmm. glaring need with Ed Oliver sideline with the turf toe injury again for the Patriots game. He has been balling out, but he also played 86% of the snaps against the Giants, which is way too much for a talent like him uh, to be out there snap in and snap out. So great segue, Jamie. Next week we will do a trade deadline preview, a trade deadline special, if you will, here on Believe. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But for this week, we are talking about the beleaguered New England Patriots, the evil empire that has fallen on some really hard times right now. They're one in five. Their quarterback situation is a mess. Uh, what is it going to be? Is it going to be Mac Jones again? Uh, Bailey Zappi uh, is Malik Cunningham going to get some reps out there for this team. This Patriots team is in disarray. So your buddy McCorkle keeps getting benched. Sorry to interrupt you. (laughs) No, no, no. You're good. Well, he hasn't been producing. I mean, they had back to back. They put up three points against the Cowboys. They were blanked uh, by the Saints um, out there. I mean, this offense is this is what finally happens when Bill Belichick's deal with the devil comes due. You know, for so long, he turned David Patton and Troy Brown and these unheralded weapons into talent. And now, and that was all with Tom Brady elevating them. And now it's like, okay, Juju Smith-Schuster is a shell of his former self. Devontae Parker has not is not pro- proven much of anything, you know, while being in New England. Hunter Henry is a decent tight end, but this Patriots offense has no weapons other than Ramondre Stevenson uh, to, to, to go to. So, this offense, I mean, they're basically they're 31st in the league in points per game. They're 27th in yards per game. Whoever the signal caller back there has been has been kind of thrown to the uh, the wolves out there with how woebegone the Patriots offensive line has played as well. Absolutely. And going into this game, that Patriots offensive line you mentioned, 
banged up. I mean, they pretty much have, gosh, everybody except for one person in their starting lineup uh, on the offensive line is on the injury report. And oh, by the way, Riley Reef is out. So, I mean, this is this is a game that you actually want when your backups are forced into the lineup from the defensive tackle position because these guys on the Patriots, they're going to play, but they're hurting right now. And you combine that with a quarterback who continuously is benched, his QBR, oh my God, McCorkle Jones there. And I love, I know you love calling him McCorkle. <laughs> his QBR I'm so is, proud of you picking up that torch, buddy, and running with that. It's 36.4. Oh, good Lord. He's completing 64% of his passes, but he, he has seven INTs to five touchdowns. He's only averaging six yards per reception. My God, like this isn't great. And we're talking about like, you know, and, and, and this is on. So that's it's interesting because McCorkle has been putrid. He doesn't have great weapons to throw to. He doesn't have a, a good offensive line. You mentioned Riley Reef. The tackle is out for this game. Um, the Patriots have more than a quarter of their roster. Now, granted, this is Bill Belichick chess maneuvers by listing everybody on the injury report, and then you'll probably see a bunch of them play. But Smith Schuster's dealing with a concussion. Uh, that's going to be tough to come back from and get cleared in time. I don't. He has been limited in practice. Uh, most of the week like this is a walking wounded Patriots team what gives me cause and pause for concern though Jamie is the weather for Sunday's game now this is not going to be a repeat of the gale force wins 50 mile an hour game on Monday night football two years ago when the Bills lost 14 to 10 and the Patriots I think threw the ball three times but they're calling for swirling gusting winds anywhere from 20 to 35 miles an hour on game day in Foxborough. That might be the one reprieve that the Patriots get if they can hand the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott and Ramondre Stevenson versus putting the ball in McCorkle's hand and arm to try to win this game. Well, that has been my thought all along. This could be one of those games where they have Jones throw the ball 8 to 12 times and control the clock just by running it down the Bills' throats. And that's what has me concerned. Are the Bills going to be able to slow down these hulking running backs that the Patriots have? Ramondre Stevens is a big dude. The guy's a load. And Ezekiel Elliott, he's bouncing back in a way that I didn't expect. So can the Bills, can their front four handle the Patriots' running game or are they going to need to sell out to stop the run by putting in extra defensive linemen, bringing in more linebackers, bringing them, you know, playing three linebackers and get, getting them closer to the line of scrimmage? Well, now you're opening yourself up to play action, which is, I mean, play action is tough on, on a defense. So therein lies my biggest concern. So again, it's about the Buffalo Bills. Is is Phillips, uh, what's his first name? Defensive tackle. Jordan. Jordan, thank you. Don't know why I blanked on that. Can Jordan Phillips stand up on, on, on running plays? We know that he's a good pass rusher, but he gets moved out of the way against the run. He does. Tim Settle 
is a tweener. Puna Ford is just not the player he was in Seattle. And I hate that he's going to be uh, on the field. Are we going to see a lot of Kendall Vickers in the lineup? Like, is, you know, is that what it's gotten down to? It might not be a bad uh, move to bring Vickers in. I will say, before we, we continue with the defensive uh, tackle talk, I want to mention Jordan Phillips because, okay, we know his pass rushing is his primary strength. He also did put forth a really effective game against the run, albeit against the terrible Giants offensive line, but I'm really curious. I want to see what Mr. Big Stuff does against this Patriots offensive line, which maybe it's false hope if you see him play well for a second straight week because the Patriots offensive line is also depleted. But I enjoyed seeing Phillips kind of turn a corner and be a better run defender who wasn't getting turned aside nearly as easily as he was when going up against the Dolphins um, or the Commanders. But I'm curious to see what he can do uh, for a second straight week. Puna Ford, I really bought into the bowling ball hype, and uh, Mm -hmm. he has fallen flat um, in his performances so far with the Bills. And Tim Settle is one of those guys who is so inconsistent from game to game, from play to play, that you're really not sure what you can get uh, from him. There's a lot that this defensive line has to show us, and the front four has to show us, especially with Ed Oliver missing this game. I mean, it's a good thing that Ed can rest up and, and get that turf toe recovered because you, the last thing you want to have is your stalwart DT, your stalwart up the middle, uh, be sidelined for quite a long period of time with the three technique guy at Oliver missing time. Ed has been playing well this year, but I don't think it's any shock that his play took a step forward when Daquan Jones's play also took a big step forward. And without Jones in there, you're going to be putting a lot more run stuffing responsibility on Oliver. He's going to play some one technique. That's not his game. He's a three technique. So you're probably not going to see quite the impact on the game that we're used to seeing from Oliver, because they're going to have to use him out of position from time to time. Well, if there's any week, Jamie, that the bills defense, and and I want to say too, I mean, Oh, look, look, as much as there was a lot to criticize, about the game last week uh, and how the Bills played. I want to give a lot of credit to Buffalo's defense for bending but not breaking. And you could say, well, John, you're crazy. The Giants are terrible, and they kept him in that game. But they also won that game. And whether you, you and I can debate until the cows come home whether a holding penalty should have been called on a second straight Bills defender that untimed down to end the game. I don't think it should have been called. I think Waller and Johnson were both going at it. They were physical. They were both trying to make a play on it. I don't think there was a call that the referees were going to call the holding or DPI on back-to-back plays. But this defense showed some resiliency. And yes, they did get gashed. But Saquon Barkley is still one of the better running backs in the league. So, I mean, I give him a lot of credit for exposing it. But this Bills defense needs to find a way to address the two big issues that they're having. And Jamie, this is where I want to get your perspective on this because I need to give a lot of credit to Scarecrow who did this incredible Mm -hmm. deep dive on Buffalo's offense and Buffalo's defense and how they're faring and a really big stat dump, if you will, on buffalorumblings.com. Did you know, Jamie, 
on first and 10 situations this year, the Buffalo Bills are allowing a whopping 7.26 yards per play. No. That hurts. That that really hurts. And I I didn't realize it was that much, but I'm not shocked because to me, the issues that the Buffalo Bills have had mostly come on first down. You're creating second and third and short. That's asking an awful lot of your defense. Yeah, and it's it's one if I, you want to break it down to a micro level, it's 5.4 yards per run on those plays. So only the Denver Broncos are worse when it comes to surrendering uh, gains on the ground. And you're going to see again, Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott really get after it. I, it helps though in the fact that the Patriots are so bad on offense. I mean, this is what the number, uh, the stats are for the Patriots. I mean, they are basically, uh, they're, they're a mash unit. I mean, they are so bad. The lowest points per drive in the league 1.0. They are scoring on 18% of their drives. They're turning the ball over on 15.5% of their drives. Holy They're, crap. Yeah, think about that for a second. They are almost <laughs> as likely to to turn the ball over as they are to score when they have the ball. Oh. That that's an unbelievable stat. Well, I give Jeff uh, at Buffalo Rumblings, uh, Scarecrow, all the credit. I'm reading off of his stats right here to to give some context for the audience. But because we were having this debate about the defense and the offense and how things were playing out, and you know the third down conversions. That's another thing for the Bills' offense defense too. Knowing how bad the Patriots are on offense, they're going to be having some third and long conversion situations that they're going to be facing, and the Bills are not great at stopping teams on third and long. We saw that against the Giants game where Terod Taylor was able to convert several third and long scenarios in the second half to keep drives going on their three field goal drives. The Bills are 23rd in the league. They are allowing third and long conversions to be converted 42% of the time. I'm going to speculate because other teams have turned third and whatever into third and Elam. I think that they are looking at Kyer Elam on every single third down and are saying this is exactly where we're going with the ball. And that's been the issue. Which is why the Bills fans need to hope that Dane Jackson, who was a full participant Thursday and Friday with that foot injury. He needs to be back out there. I mean, I like what the bills were building with Christian Benford and Dane Jackson uh, out there as their starting quarterbacks. That's the thing too. When Trey white went down for the year, I was a little concerned about how the secondary would step up, but they have proven that when Jackson and Benford are out there, that's a pretty solid one, two corner combo. It's when Elam gets inserted that things start to go haywire. Absolutely. And um, I, I'm wondering if Jordan Poyer has lost a step out there. He doesn't look quite as dominant as he did. And while we're talking about things that have changed, um, I, I do want to point out that Ed Oliver has made a bunch of boneheaded penalties this year. Oh, my God. And it's just annoying the hell out of me. Yeah, he's he he's almost like remember when there was um there were two versions of Jerry Hughes. Yes. This is exactly that parallel where Jerry Hughes would have 
a gangbusters tackle, a huge sack, and that was the good Jerry, the Jerry with a J. And then you had the Jerry with a G who committed on sportsmanlike conduct penalties, roughing the passer penalties. Ed Oliver, had, and, and it was evident. I'm not sure if you could tell from this from the TV audience at home, Jamie, but the Bills and Giants were doing a shit ton of chirping at each other almost from the opening kickoff. No wonder you saw whatever it was, 25 penalties or 24 penalties combined between these two teams. There was no love lost. I couldn't really tell, but I can't say I'm surprised, especially when that scuffle broke out. It seemed like things had been brewing there. And, I mean, you never really see Deion Dawkins lose his cool, but, you know, the moment the dude tried to kick him a few times, he decided that was it. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a, a, a interesting scenario to watch uh, unfold out there. I hated, I love the competitor of Josh Allen, but I hated seeing him go throwing shoulder first when he was confronting one of the Giants players after the Spencer Brown brouhaha. I, you know, my favorite part about that was like I didn't want to see him get involved. I know his teammates loved it, but Osiris Torrance running over to help uh, to help Brown who had gotten pushed down to the turf and it's like he was running over there. And then he saw the player that whipped past him. It's like all of a sudden he noticed that it was Josh Allen. And like, you could hear his tires screeching as he made a hard right to go in that direction. instead. (laughs) He's like, Spencer, you could just lay there on the turf. I'm getting our, I'm taking care of our boy over here who I got to say, um, I'm pretty sure if O'Carrot Cake hadn't realized that it was Josh Allen, that he would have gone at him. But the moment he saw it was the quarterback, he's like, nah, I don't need that garbage. <laughs> yeah, that that's a, that's a good observation, Jamie, to, to put up there. Um, as we are again here on Believe, getting you ready for week seven. The Bills are going to Foxborough. Jamie, it's hard to believe when you talk about the state of disarray of New England, they are one in five for the first time since the 1995 season when Bill Belichick wasn't even coaching the team. I mean, it's been so long since these Patriots have been this downtrodden and the bills are going for their fifth straight win over the Patriots. We've talked about just how bad the Patriots are on offense um, and, and the, and the, the bills defense, this needs to be a get right game for them. But it also needs to be a get-right game for Buffalo's offense. Let's spend a couple of minutes talking about the Bills' offense. And I know we talked earlier about them sputtering. Um, What are your thoughts on what needs to be done to – because, look, I love Stephon Diggs. And the fact that he's up there with Jamar Chase for the most targets, the most receptions, the most receiving yards, I mean, that's how it should be. He is your bell cow number one wide receiver. What else, what what does Josh need to do when it comes to spreading the ball around and getting more of his targets, especially Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid? What are your thoughts on how they're going to play out this Sunday? To me, those those two players are going to be keys because they should be owning the middle of the field. And unfortunately, they're only really being used as outlet receivers. And I think that needs to change. Now, I, I realize that the Bills like rookies to get their feet wet a little slowly but you know what look at what dorian williams is doing on defense he's making mistakes out there but he also is playing well so let's give kincaid an opportunity to do the same thing 
because his depth of target is terrible. I, I would like to see him be targeted, you know, eight, 10 yards downfield consistently, make him your middle of the field chain mover. Now, if he's not up for it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't believe based on his summer that he's not, but okay, this is where we are. The other thing that we need to see is players figure out ways of getting open. And we're, we're not seeing much from Deontay Hardy or Trent Sherfield. They need to step it up. But also, the Bills do need balance on offense. They got to run the ball. They got to control it. They got to take the ball out of Josh's hands and find a way to be successful. Because I can see what they're trying to do this year, which is to have an offense that is something more than, hey, Josh, go do something amazing. And I appreciate that. However, the only way for that to happen is the other players to step it up. Start stepping it up, boys. You're making a lot of money to be in Buffalo. Do something with it. Yeah, it's definitely, look, I, I think it was, I honestly, Deontay Hardy, maybe he can build upon. It was nice to see him get the red zone target and taking his first touchdown. He's been the one, if you will, quote unquote, better receiver of the three, four, five mix of Khalil Shakir himself and uh, Trent Sherfield. But Hardy only has 12 catches for a bucko three uh, throughout yeah. the year so far. Um, and, and going back to Dalton Kincaid, I want to say the average downfield pass target for him is like 4.3 yards per attempt, something ridiculous like that. I mean, somebody needs to go show Ken Dorsey highlights of him shredding albeit a terrible USC defense, but this guy can be a seam stretcher, a middle of the field demon uh, for Josh Allen. He's just not being utilized that way. And this still is again, the fact that he's got the fourth most receiving yards on the bills team at only 118. I mean, I'm hoping with him being healthy uh, that he can really make his emergence felt uh, on Sunday. Um, this Patriots secondary is just not that great. Um, you know, you, especially the, the fact that they traded for JC Jackson, uh, the right corner to come back, uh, and Jonathan Jones paired with him. Jones is decent. Jackson is not, I mean, Jackson's one of those guys who will bust his hump and never give up. And his motor is incredibly high, but he's just not that physically talented anymore. Injuries have taken a big toll on him. I like Kyle Duggar. Jabril Peppers is again, a ghost of what he used to be out there. So this is really, this should be one of those continuation games for the Buffalo Bills to get right. And I think it really starts offensively. We know that Diggs is going to get, you know, 10 targets, 12 targets, 100 yards around, you know, seven or eight catches. I'm looking for Dalton Kincaid to really have that breakout performance this week. And it would be nice if Gabe Davis didn't disappear for periods of time like we've talked about before but this if the bills win this game 14 to 10 we're gonna have some major issues to talk about moving forward unless it's like again the gale force wins causing this game to be a, a weather anomaly the bills need to come out and punch the patriots in the mouth with a good run game and having josh allen be prolific passing the ball a hundred percent agreed, my friend. They've got to get back on track. And, you know, the way they're going to do it, like I said, balanced offense. They're, I will add to it that they're going to have to lean into the play action 
and you know, be smart out there. And a question for you. Do you consider dropped passes to be a lack of intelligence? When I say be smart, <laughs> does that include not dropping passes? I'm looking at you, Gabe Davis. You know, it's interesting. I, I think you it's like anything. You can't view it under one broad stroke. Like not all drops are created equal. Um, but if the if the ball placement is right on the money, I mean, those obvious blatant drops, it's either a case of over eagerness, like you want to go turn up field and make a run before you've caught the ball. You're hyper, you're nervous about the catch. Maybe there's a defender lurking who's going to deliver a big punishing hit. But I I feel like it can be a lot of intelligence too, because that's what you're paid to do. You're paid to catch the ball. And it's like, I'm paid to write stories and do podcasts and be a, a, a communicator. And if I all of a sudden was filling out sentences that were gar- gobbledygook and couldn't string a sentence together on a podcast, you'd be right to question my intelligence because that's what I'm paid to do. Okay. I like it. What's your take on it? Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I do remember many years ago when the Steelers were great and the bills were making a comeback against them in Pittsburgh and, Ryan Fitzpatrick launches the ball from the 50-yard line, hits Stevie Johnson in the uh. end zone, and Stevie dropped it. And my father <laughs> starts yelling, he's an idiot! He's an idiot! He's an idiot! <laughs> and it was just hilarious. That is probably, Jamie, if you ask me, of all of the, the defeated moments I've had as a Bills fan, that game with and, and it was a beautiful fall day. The Steeler fans traveled really well, raucous atmosphere. But as soon as Ryan threw that ball up, as soon as Fitzy put the ball up, I turned around to some Steeler fans behind us and started shit talking like you wouldn't believe all oh, the Bills have won this game. And then my girlfriend at the time taps me on the shoulder. She's like, You want to be quiet? He dropped the ball. I go, You gotta be effing kidding me. There's no Oh my God, Stevie dropped the ball. Why you gotta do me that way, God? <laughs> he blamed God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the memories. So bad and painful. And yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's another thing too, where we mentioned earlier any given Sunday, look the damn ball into your hands. Don't assume anything is a given. I hope the Bills come out firing. Don't take anything for granted. They've been saying all the right things, lauding these verbal bouquets on this woebegone Patriots team. Jamie, how do you see the game playing out on Sunday? Uh, I think that the Bills are still going to be sputtering a little bit on offense. I don't, I, I don't think that they're going to have a get-right game yet, but I think they're going to show much better than they did in, in the last game. So I'm going to go 24-13 on this one. Okay, I like it. Bills win by 11, a two-score victory. I think the Bills are going to finally, they're going to start off running the ball with success. They're going to wear down the Patriots defense, which again is banged up with Uche and Judon out for this matchup. You're going to see James Cook, a healthy dose of him, and Latavius Murray. Maybe we get a little more, uh, you know, quick passes to get uh, maybe Deontay Hardy steps up, but Diggs is going to dominate like he always does 
against the Patriots. He has owned the Patriots in the six in the six games against New England. Diggs has 40 catches for 470 yards and six touchdowns. I'll say he makes it another 100-yard receiving game. Josh Allen has a very solid performance. No turnovers, no jittery Josh. The Bills win this one. I'll go they get to 30, and they give up 13. So we're pretty close in our score margin, but I had the Bills winning by a little bit more, and maybe the doubters can pull back and uh, not think the sky is falling with Buffalo's offense hanging a 30-burger in Foxborough. Well, they've got a chance to get it right against a team that's struggling. So, you know, put up or shut up, Buffalo Bills, and show the fans what you got. And I'll say this, too. I don't care if the Patriots are 0-13. Anytime Bill Belichick coaches against the Bills, I want them to stomp them and tear his heart out and destroy them. Send New England to the (laughs) seventh layer of hell where they belong. (laughs) I love it. Bills fans, what do you think? What are your score predictions for the game on Sunday? Get involved. We're friendly. We like interactions on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. Give us your thoughts. Interact with us. We love hearing from our fans. For my colleague and good friend, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off on this week's episode of the Bill Leave Podcast. Go Bills. <laughs>